rock, paper, scissors. scissors. Oh, rock crushes scissors. Oh, oh, oh. I'm Liz Landau. And I'm Ben Clemens. And this is Pod, Pod paper, paper, Scissors. You gotta make decisions. Will you cooperate or defect? Hey, Ben, you when you first asked me if I wanted to do a podcast with you about game theory, I actually thought we were going to be talking about stuff like Monopoly and chess, Twister, all that good stuff. So yeah, how those relate to game theory, especially Twister, is it's pretty interesting. And uh, I've thought a lot about it, and I've written some games myself, which are kind of just okay. Wait, you've written games? Yeah, and you know this because we've played Carbondale.network. Oh, I forgot you made that because it was so fun. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, so and th- th- thanks, for, thanks for the positive review uh, of this totally free game that you could play with two decks of cards at carbondale.network wait ben let's pause here for a second i want to hear more about how you came up with this game well there there are a couple of steps to designing the game so you could kind of break it down into the mechanics of the game and the the sort of theme of the game so before carbondale.network a game a free game you can play with two decks of cards at http colon slash slash carbondale.network i'd worked on another game called bamboo harvest it had a similar mechanic. It was about uh, laying out a, sort of a forest of cards. You deal out a bunch of cards on the table, and y- your goal is to kind of clear a path through the forest. I took that one to the guy who runs uh, Rio Grande Games. Oh, he makes uh, Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, Puerto Rico and Dominion and uh, what else? Race for the Galaxy. They, they're a pretty successful game company, and it was kind of cool that I got to talk to the guy you know, th- who still runs the company and picks the games. And wh- what he told me as he was rejecting Bamboo Harvest was that every, th- every mechanic of the game should be aimed at the theme so that people feel immersed in the game. They feel like there's somebody else while they're playing it. They feel like a landowner in Puerto Rico. They feel like uh, a, a, a space conquistador in Race for the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. When I played Carbondale with you a few weeks ago, I felt like I had just arrived in Carbondale, Illinois, and I was looking for love. Yeah. You told me about Carbondale before, right? I want to go to Carbondale for the 2024 eclipse because it is the only town in America that will see both the 2017 total solar eclipse and the 2024 total solar eclipse. This is why we, we keep you around this. This is great. <laughs> You're playing Carcassonne. That's their Carcassonne. Game. Yeah, and it's about the French countryside, and you really feel like you're run- uh, somebody living there. And so he cares deeply about creating an illusion of something else. And, you know, they're a successful game company, so he's definitely getting something right. You know, that reminds me of Dutch historian Johan Huizinga. He wrote a whole book about the theory of play called Homo Ludens. Okay, as a former Caltech grad student, I get to say this. Bazinga! Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Okay, okay. So, Joseph Huizinga. Yeah, you know, he was a historian writing in the 1930s about what is play. And he was talking about how play, there there are a few elements to play, which include like creating an illusion of being outside of your real life. 
Oh, so so this is this is what our friend from Rio Grande Games was looking for, yeah? Right. Huizinga um, said that you have to be free to play. It's not that you're forced to. It's not part of real life. It takes place in a separate time and space and has a very specific order to it. Yeah, can I, can I give you an etymology? that This is not a digression. So illusion, uh, it, it, it originally meant to, to mock, to sort of play at. And it comes from the, uh, the Latin ludere, which means to play. So uh, th- this kind of directly gets at that, that play is the creation of an illusion. That totally makes sense. I mean, now that we have all of these fully immersive ways of playing, like video games on your TV or computer, even virtual reality or augmented reality, these are all technologies that are aimed at taking you out of your current environment and transporting you mentally into a new space for playing. So that uh, okay, it's not new, Liz. Right? Like like football, Fo- football. Like people really fall for the illusion of, of that, right? Like they're well, um, I don't. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, I used to live in Baltimore. There was a big Philadelphia Baltimore uh, rivalry in football. Wait, don't you mean Pittsburgh? I don't know a lot about it. I was a fan of Baltimore first because I live there, and second because it's the uh, the Baltimore Ravens are the NFL's only goth-friendly football team. So wait, what? Oh, oh, oh! You mean because of Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven? Yeah, yeah. It's actually they're actually named for that, and I, I love that. There's a literary illusion in illusion, literary illusion. Anyway. There's this rivalry, right? So there are people who who care deeply about who wins the next game. But, uh, okay, I looked this up. Not a ton of players on the Philly team... Hey, that's Pittsburgh. ...are from Philly. Pittsburgh! Not a a ton of players on the Baltimore team are from Baltimore, right? There's there's one or two players who have been traded between them. So what does it mean that you're a fan of one team and not the other when, like, they're both kind of constructs? Right. But that's that's OK. Right. If you want to fall, fall into the illusion. And we, we I think we all know people who do. Then cool. That's part of it. And you're part of the play of the game. If you're part of the audience, you know, swept up in this illusion. You know, it's always been amazing to me the deep connection that people feel with the teams that they root for like I'm from Philadelphia and when I tell people that they're like oh yeah well it sucks for the Eagles this year that's that's the sound effect that we're doing today that's that's T that's T is it gonna sound like I'm peeing yes oh (laughs) okay everybody trust me it's T yeah so in the you know, before the Eagles won the Super Bowl a few years ago, you know, I would mention I'm from Philadelphia and people people would be like, oh, yeah, Eagles or the year that they won. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's awesome that you're from Philly because like, go Eagles. And for me personally, I could care less. Like, I don't follow football. You're, you're the one at the uh, at the Super Bowl party who's like standing on the side and is like, yeah, I don't care about this. I am by the cheese dip. Best part of sports, cheese dip. (laughs) But it's amazing that, like, people who, you know, are really into the Eagles or the Ravens or the Steelers, you know, there's an imagined community of people of 
who are fans of these teams. Like, obviously, not all fans have met each other, but they have this common language, these common symbols of these teams that they root for, that they feel deeply connected to. So what what would Husinga say about you, then, as somebody who's, well, those guys are sitting on the sidelines. What are they going to say about you? Well, I guess I'm a terrorist, Ben. <laughs> And that's because I break the illusion that something important is happening when I'm just sitting by the cheese dip and asking, wait, who's playing again? Or when can we get to the commercials? Oh, yeah. Did did you see the, the Super Bowl this year? It was... Who was it? It was Shakira versus J-Lo. Oh, my God. Shakira versus J-Lo. Amazing performance. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how we scored that, who won. But uh, I was on the Shakira team. I think they're both winners. <laughs> That's great. Okay, we'll get off Shakira and back to Hozinga. So it, it, what else did he count as play? Well, it's funny because I thought that I was reading a book about having fun while playing, but he's talking about things like lawsuits as play also. Wait, the, those don't sound... Fun. Those don't sound like uh, football. Right. But it's something that takes place in a theater, the courtroom, with players who are the prosecution and the defense and sort of this arbiter, which is the, the judge. And we have people conforming to a certain order that society has deemed proper. Okay, so it's... There's an illusion in the courtroom. Is, it, this is, is this what we're looking for? Yeah, so when we think about the essential elements of play, which are taking people out of a reality, having a set of rules that everybody conforms to, having this illusion that's separate from everyday reality, you can think of a courtroom that way as well. You can think of the whole process of lawsuits and coming to court and having this sort of decorum around decision making these are all actually elements of play in some sense so can i give you more trivia uh it was not uncommon in the past for people to actually bet on the outcome of lawsuits but it, yeah what you're what you're saying makes a lot of sense i mean uh there there's certainly a sort of a fictional world that goes on in the courtroom you you, you can't picture like somebody just throwing a party in there in the courtroom or, you know, just having lunch in there. Right. Yeah. They even wear like, do they still do this in British courts? Do they still wear the wigs? They do. These like giant powdered gray wigs are still something that is found in certain courtrooms in England. And that's been the case for hundreds of years. In fact, it wasn't just a fashion statement for the courtroom it was actually because people were getting syphilis and one of the symptoms is hair loss so they wanted to cover it up oh that that's uh that's pretty fabulous they, they're not that's not what they, why they wear the wigs now is it yeah so they stopped being necessary to cover bald spots a long time ago and in fact became more of a fashion statement Kind of like Marie Antoinette. Her her wig didn't look like hair. Yeah, I mean, in, in all the movies, like, I never met her, tell you the truth. But first, it's, like, white. Like, it, 
it often had like arbitrary curls, right? It 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 was closer to a hat than like hair, yeah. Well, we have to consider as well that there are certain traditions, such as Orthodox Judaism, where women have to cover their hair at all times if they're married. Custom not law, by the way. Tradition. Tradition. So women actually commonly wear wigs for that reason as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in general, fashion is a form of play. And, you know, I'm somebody who enjoys dressing up, um, especially in this quarantine time. I find myself wearing T-shirts and shorts a whole lot, especially even in work contexts when no one can see me anyway. But... Every once in a while, I'll put on a dress, walk around DuPont Circle, and feel a little bit more special. Yeah, for for me, dressing up is like pants at this point. Okay, so Huizinga saw law as a form of play. Is there, is there like history to this? It, it, he's an anthropologist, right? Yeah, and he also studied Eskimos. Did you know that Eskimos have rap battles? No, this is fabulous. Yeah, it's like eight mile on ice. <laughs> That's brilliant. You know what else Husinga talks about that I wouldn't have expected to be like play? He talks about war. Wow. Because, you know, we said it was not real life, but we've gone from football, which I, I, I'm willing to say is not real life, though people make millions of dollars on it, to law, right, where people wind up in prison, to actually people getting killed. And yeah. it's, still, it's still play. Yeah. And I feel like he also contradicts himself by saying that you have to be free to play in a game because there are definitely people who did not choose to go to war but find themselves trapped inside of that game. Okay, so it's still a game because there's, I guess literally, there's a theater of war, yeah? And there there are still kind of rules of engagement? Right, and that is separate from real life in some sense. Okay. So, uh, all right, uh, I'll try to accept this then. So, in war, there are people who are shooting for glory. They're shooting for things besides just, like, maximizing economic resources for a country or whatever. Right. And then you also have terrorists, like we were talking about before. Oh, that's this is you. It kind of relates to how I would be a person who goes to a football-watching party and stands by the dip and is like, this game is stupid. I don't care who wins. Okay, so the terrorists, they're not on the theater of war, and they're not they're not playing for glory or all of this stuff about... So they're not following the rules, is right. what you're saying. And that breaks the illusion of play? Right. Okay. So what about, I, I don't know, like drone strikes? Are these breaking the illusion of play? They kind of are, too, especially when they take out people who were definitely not playing in a war, such as civilians. I mean, it's horrible how people are just minding their own business and they're killed by drone strikes. They're definitely not playing. They're not part of the illusion. Right. Okay. So what have we learned? That uh, Pozinga, who is not Shakira, had this whole theory... I guess Shakira's at play too, right? Because she's uh, like on stage, she's a character, which I imagine she's not IRL, right? I'm sure when she's at home with her beautiful family, she is not belly dancing 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, a bit off stage. Can can we still trust her hips? Does she have duplicitous hips, IRL? They, they, they lie. Oh, oh. Uh, so okay. So so when we look for play, either on the board games or in a lawsuit, like we're trying to we're trying to create a spell over the over the characters, over everyone who's involved. You know what else is a game with casualties? Flirting. Flirting? Really? I guess, I, I guess there, there's sort of an illusion. There's a spell in, in flirting, too. There are rules. You know, I'll bet we could uh, devote a whole freaking episode to it. Oh, I have so much to say. Let's do that next time. Okay. So can I ask you one last question? Sure. Can you play alone? Do you need other people to, to form, form the illusion of play? That's really interesting to think about. I guess especially since we're quarantined. I mean, a lot of people have been uh, build, building their whatever whatever structures they have at, at, at home. With the whole video game industry where you play against the computer, when you play against an artificially intelligent program, that has allowed millions of people worldwide to play alone for years you know when i was in high school i played this online multiplayer role-playing game called gemstone 3 it was on aol and in 1997 my friends and i from middle school every day after school we would log on to aol with our dial-up modems and we would engage in this world with each other and with strangers in which we were walking around, you know, look left, look right, um, pick up a sword. Uh, we would encounter these monsters. We would uh, trade and buy cloaks and daggers and things. It was this really immersive world that was entirely in text. And it got to the point that my friends and I would actually talk about the game in school before we went home and played in it. Oh, it's cool that you um had friends and a die. Okay, so during the, I think during the the same period you were playing this, I was probably playing um text adventures that solo text adventures. You, you know, you were in a uh you were in a maze full of twisty passages kind of stuff. Like uh The Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams, he wrote a version that was a solo text adventure. So I guess there I was caught up into the into an illusion of play like solo. He also wrote uh, a really great one called Bureau- Bureaucracy. Whoa, is that where you get to pretend to be a government bureaucrat? No, no, no. You're uh, pretending to... Okay, it's a thing that actually happened to him. He uh, tried to file a change of address with his bank, and the bank said, uh, in order to file this, we have to send a verification to your original address and he's like i don't live there anymore and he's like how, how am i supposed to do this so anyway he wrote a whole game around it and I, th- I think about this sometimes when i'm actually doing bureaucratic things like set of rules there's a play system to this and it happens all the time like you're on a quest right you want to you want to fill in you, you want to like get this status change and so in order to do so you need to get this form and in order to fill in the form you need to get this other form and in order to do that you need to you need to like have some line off your taxes which means you have to do your taxes which means you have to gather all this uh, like it, it really is like a lot of games and it's it sort of made my life better 
because I think about this when I'm playing these things. Okay, which you mean I, when you're filling out your taxes? Yeah, yeah. I guess I just called them play. Uh, yeah, if that's you think, a good way to yeah, think of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. If you think about it as a quest, it's like a little less painful. But yeah, so I was playing alone, and I guess that, like I said before, that this is kind of relevant because we're all in quarantine now, and a lot of us are hanging out alone. Yeah, you know, I actually wrote a little song about that. That's great. Hit it. COVID-19 Made the whole world stay in Let my body begin I'm too busy for Zoom Too much fun in my room Where I sleep in past time Never change clothes again So much streaming to do No fun talking to you Castle. 